0: Well, it is certainly great to be back here. It seems like every other week we get canceled because of the snow and the ice and all that weather we've had. It's, I, I don't ever remember a year where we've had three cancellations. You know, it, it's funny, the pattern would always go on Sunday morning, and it has done that before we'd maybe have a week, but. I'll tell you what, it is great to see people back. Of course, there's still some out, still sick. We've been dealing with sickness and all this weather, and at the same time, God is good. And uh, so it, it is certainly a, a privilege to be here again. And, you know, I think we are here to know more about God. I'm here to know more about God. And as I was uh, listening to. Uh, some of the speakers at that conference that was online. is it, it was about faithfulness. Faithfulness of shepherds, but the faithfulness of God's people. And how uh, God is faithful, great is His faithfulness, but we too are to be faithful to Him and His people. and It's uh, certainly uh, a reminder, they kept hitting on the Word of God. And we talk about it all the time ourselves, but... We have to be reminded, because we take the Word of God sometimes so much for granted. But honestly, they said the Word of God, uh, uh, one was quoting from the Puritans, and the Puritans, almost every one of them in their writings quite often, would talk about the Word of God and it being preached. You know, why does the Word of God have to be preached? Well, that's the manner that God has ordained to be done. And of course, the Puritans said this. I think this was uh, Steve Lawson that was quoting from the Puritans when he said this. And it really stuck with me. It's nothing new to you, but at the same time, it makes you think a little bit. If you were to have one hour a week with the Lord, which would be better? You and the Lord praying You praying for a whole hour with Him. That's very, very important, and we all should be doing that in our fellowship with the Lord personally. But if you had that, or a choice, in a choice where it would be one hour with the Lord and His Word, and somebody proclaiming that and preaching it, which would you choose? and the Puritans to every one of them in all their quotes said it would be better to be in the Word of God and hearing it being preached by a a godly man who had been studying on it all week for hours and hours and gleans truth out of it. And even though that one hour with the Lord by ourselves is very important, they all said hearing that preached Word is even more important. So this next hour that we have, it's a valuable hour to each one of us and our souls. But you still don't have to make a choice, but you go to be with the Lord and pray to Him and read His Word by yourself too, right? And that we cannot neglect. But they were saying the importance of the Word of God and it being preached and preached in the way that the Gospel is to be preached is important. I'm not trying to put any accolades to myself in that, my whole idea here is that as we read the Word, as it's being preached, that not only do we hear it, but we obey it. My job here is to make sure that the Word gets out by the power of the Spirit and goes into our hearts and changes us every time we get in the Word of God. Not just reading through it and saying, I've heard this before and then thinking about all the things that you want to do today. We're talking about God Himself has chosen this way to speak to us in the Word of God. And so, what I have to be prayerful of all week long is that this Word would be able to be clear That it would be able to be understood and get into our hearts and change us. And so, that's quite a job. But it's the Holy Spirit and His power that does that. I can't do it. What is the most absolute, most important thing that we should do in this life? That's a vital question. I mean above everything in life. is No, of course, somebody off the street might say, well, eating is really important. (laughs) Breathing is really important. But there's something even more important than that. And I think, as far as Christians would be concerned, we would all probably say in unison or harmony. We'd give the correct answer. That would probably not be the case, though, sad to say, however, to all. It's so basic, it's so fundamental. But it's so missing in the priority of Christians' lives. And what is it? Well, what's the most important thing in the world? It's to worship God. Or as we've all grown up, to hear that chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. To glorify Him is to worship Him. Now, Jesus said in John 4 that we are to worship Him in spirit and in truth. The only way we can know how to worship God spiritually and in the right way is how? The Word of God. We can't make up anything here in our worship. It's it's the regulative principle. It's a sense that this is what God has ordained to do. This is how He's done it. So how do we worship Him correctly? We listen to His Word. We listen to His Word And without the Word, we'd never know how to worship God. A lot of people make it up, and that's called idolatry. How do we get to know Him? How do we get to know His will for us? It's all right here. This is how He speaks. This is how He does it. He communicates to us, doesn't He? He speaks to us. It's right here. It's in the Word of God. Nothing secretive about it. Nothing magical. It's in the sense that here is... God speaking to us by His Word and His Spirit. This is priority to everything else in life. Uh, Number one priority is to hear what God has said. It's about sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to Him. Listening intently. And not only that, put to apply it. Just to listen and to agree Is not enough, but it's to apply it to our lives. We should always be on the edge of our seats, whether we're reading privately or listening to somebody on a CD or online or somebody that's preaching the Word or here or wherever the Word of God is being taught. We should be right at the edge of our seats, excited because God is revealing who He is what He's about, what He wants you to do in this life. So, this is what our particular lesson is about today as we look at two sisters, Martha and Mary. And actually, they represent two important facets of the Christian life. It's called service, worship. Now, I've got the question our title, is it service or worship? Which is most important, service or worship? I think it's obvious you cannot serve until you worship God. So everything stems off from that worship. That's why it's so most important and how do you worship it's through this Word of God. And Jesus will commend Mary here in this section. She chose the best thing. What Martha was doing was a good thing. But Mary did the best thing. And to her, nothing else mattered at that time when Jesus spoke and taught her in that home. Let's go to the Word of God. Let's stand just a few verses this morning. Starting in Luke 10 at verse 38. This is the Word of God. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. She came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Father, as we delve into your word this morning, Help us to understand, help me be able to be able to project it forth. That will bring meaning to us, and that we would be in awe of Jesus and His Word, and the next time we pick up the Bible, that we would just be overwhelmed, that He would desire to show us who He is and to show what His plan and purpose is upon. In Jesus' name, Amen. so we 're at uh, luke ten we 're actually finishing this chapter up, Chapter ten you've got to remember the context of where we 've been at. if you'll remember that um, there was a lawyer that came up to Jesus and said, "What must I do to inherit eternal life? Can you think of a better question? I mean, what happens when we die are Are we really thinking legitimately?" about that that's probably the most important question that could be there if if one doesn't know about eternal life then they must look at it and consider that because if there really is eternal life and one has not trusted in Jesus Christ there is hell forever and not to be with the lord and where he has planned for us to be And so the lawyer asked that and of course he was really trying to stump Jesus is really what it was about. It was not a legitimate question for him. He already thought he had eternal life because he was a good guy. He was a good man who knew the law at least as far as he thought. Jesus showed this man what he was lacking and then he went into the parable of the good Samaritan. That's where we left off it seems like ages ago, doesn't it? (laughs) And he tells about the man going down to, uh, to uh, from Jerusalem to Jericho and the robbers and, and the man that was just laying there and then the, the priest and the Levite passed him up and the Samaritan who is an enemy of Jews who is probably who was laying there a Jew and he's the one that takes care of him and makes sure that he continues to be taken care of goes out of his way to do that and Jesus said now. You ask, who is my neighbor? And Jesus has just given him a story of who a neighbor is. And in this case, it's the Samaritan. And uh, of course, that's how the man answers. As Jesus asked the question, He said, well, the one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do the same. We don't know the outcome. It doesn't say what happened. But Jesus said, okay, you show mercy to people. He did not, he actually had a disdain for anybody else that was not a Jew. Samaritans, he would have had disdain. Matter of fact, he would have been considered to be an enemy to him and he would have hated him because. As far as their interpretation of the law, you can hate your enemies. You are to hate your enemies. Jesus came along and clarified that on the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, and I, But I say to you, love your enemies. Now that's where we've been at. Would you say that that would be a supreme example of service? This man taking care of that man, you bet. That's service, isn't it? He went out of his way to serve that man and make sure that everything came out okay for him. taken care of. Well, now we go into the story of Mary and Martha. The way that Luke presents it, it's right after what service really is. And this time we see service, but it's not in its ultimate way. We have to, first of all, see that service is only based upon worship, which is so important. So, now, we get into the text finally. Verse 38. By the way, I don't feel so bad. A lot of my introductions are really windy, you know, they really go a long way. But you hear some of those speakers that, <laughs> that are out at the conference and after about a half an hour, then they'll say, now my first point is, <laughs> of course everybody starts laughing, But um, as they were traveling along, it says in verse 38, He entered a village. Now they're traveling. Most of the time they've been in Galilee. Jesus is now in His last six months of His ministry been talking about he's in in his last year. Now it's down to six months. Still mostly in Galilee, going from town to town, village to village. It's kind of a meandering way. He's hitting places where he needs to hit, places that he hasn't been. And the disciples are with him. And really this is all leading up to Jerusalem. Now, Obviously, he would go to Jerusalem, but then he would bounce back and go most of the time up in Galilee, up in the north part. This area that we're at here today actually is really close to Jerusalem, about a couple miles. Very close. And so that's what's happening. He's going up and down over all different parts of Galilee. What's he doing? Preaching the gospel. Of the kingdom of God. He's preaching the word. What was Jesus sent here for? Well, to die for our sins, right? We know obviously that's the very heart of the matter. But while he was walking here on earth, what was he preaching? The gospel. He was preaching the word of God in the most magnificent way that no man has ever touched ever, before or after. Jesus Christ preaching. Can you imagine? What kind of crowds did it draw? Tremendous crowds. What a preacher He was. What a preacher He is. He's preaching to us out of His Word right here today. As we read His Word and study it. Well, uh, in our text, He's near Jerusalem at Bethany. uh, Still a few months to go. This is the place where Lazarus was raised from the dead, if you'll remember that. He happens to be living in that home. Also with Mary and Martha, they're related. They live there. Jesus must know who they are, or maybe this is the first time that He's met them. We don't know for sure. I tend to think that He's been there before, and they're very dear friends. And He knows them as we go into this text here. Uh, if If you were to look in John 11, that's where you have Lazarus. The raising of Lazarus from the dead, right? What kind of testimony would he have been around the last few months? <laughs> Everybody knew he died. He was—it was It was three days that he was still out there. And, and of course, uh, by that time, one said, Lord, he stinketh. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, a corpse is going to do that. Three days. But Jesus raised him from the dead. <laughs> Everybody's heard about this. He is a witness, a walking witness. He didn't even have to say anything and people go, we know that He died. And that is Him walking around. Can you imagine that? I'll tell you what, the religious leaders did not like that at all. And they wanted to kill Jesus for it. But I'm sure they also wanted to kill Lazarus for it. Because every step that He takes and everybody that sees Him, they're getting the message that Jesus has power over life and death, doesn't he? Jesus is the one who is life. So uh, if we were to look in, let's say, John chapter 12, just explaining these passages, right? You say, well, where are they at? Well, John 12, at another time, during the Passover when Jesus will be Crucified a few days later. Jesus therefore, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Already that had happened. So they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving, but Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Mary then took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Remember that? Uh, she had done that more than one occasion evidently. This is a different time than what we are looking at today in Luke 11. There you have the same the uh, same three there or... When you think of this household, Martha, Martha's serving, and there's Mary at Jesus' feet, even later on. So that is kind of the posture that where she's at. At His feet, we're in Bethany, and Bethany is, like, like, like I said, about two miles. It's not very far at all from Jerusalem. You have the Mount of Olives. It's right on the other side of the Mount of Olives. And then you, uh, you have the Mount of Olives. You go down and then back up, and you are in Jerusalem. You're at the walls, the gate, the Eastern Gate. So that is uh, kind of where they're at. It's kind of like what a Wardsville would be, only a lot shorter, even than what Wardsville would be in distance. Um, so he's traveling. Um, he goes to them. Like I say, it's probably very. They're very intimate friends. They know each other very well. Um, Even at this time, I do believe that. And uh, we get this story of Martha. Now, he's traveling along. He entered a village. Luke doesn't say, but we know it's Bethany. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Can you imagine that Jesus is invited by you and he takes it up and says, I'll be over at 6 o'clock. He's coming to your home, into your very house. That's a special time, isn't it? Well, She was very, I think, knowledgeable of who Christ is. She is a very good friend, I believe, at this time. Jesus and the disciples didn't always get a very welcome uh, invitation to people's homes. I'm sure many times that happened. But we know whenever he went into a Samaritan village that the people didn't receive him. Matter of fact, they wanted him to get out. Of course, you remember John, the son of thunder. Says, Lord, you want us to call what? Down. Bring it on, Lord. Blow this city apart, right? Bring it down. And Jesus said, you don't know what you're saying. Uh, so, so he's welcomed. And Martha is the hostess here. She's always mentioned before Mary, and that probably means that she's the bigger sister, the older sister, I guess you could put it, the mistress of the house. She's likely the oldest because of that. She is probably very well could have been a widow that was very common at that time. A lot of widows. No uh, husband is named there. Uh, she welcomed. She received him. Hupo I have to be careful when I say that. I don't know that. We're not given any facts. But it definitely doesn't seem like she has a husband he's not ever mentioned. But, uh, and she might just be single. But anyway, she welcomed him. What's the idea there? Uh, Hupodecami. And it means to embrace him to really receive Him, to entertain Him as a guest, to really take Him in. And this is really important to her. She is one who serves with hospitality. Hospitality is a gift. It's a good thing. Matter of fact, it's even commanded for all Christians to be hospitable to people. So here comes Jesus, who is God, We're not told whether the apostles are with Him or not. Usually they are. I tend to think they could be with Him. can't read into the text. I just want to be fair. But it would be more than ordinary for them to be with Him. Now, think about it. If you're entertaining Jesus, and if the apostles are with Him, like they usually are, You have to take care of these guests. And she makes preparations. Those preparations would be quite expensive. And you would think that uh, she would probably have a lot of help around, but uh, at this point it looks like it's basically her doing the work. Can you imagine having Jesus in your home? And you get to entertain Him in the sense of feeding Him and listening to Him speak. What a privilege that would be, wouldn't it? He's in my own home. So we get Martha. She's serving. She's welcoming Jesus. That's a good thing, right? That's a good thing. We go into verse 39 now. As we exposit this. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. There's a lot there. Mary is the second person introduced here. Uh, We don't get a wealth of information but we get everything we need to know. I think we get a lot. She sat at Jesus' feet. Um... If you look in John 11, we were John 12 a while ago, and John 11, which is was the raising of Lazarus, which is going to be later on down the road from our Luke passage. Uh, Luke, uh, or John, chapter 11, verse 5. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister. Now Mary's not even mentioned there, right? Martha and her sister and Lazarus. That says a lot. You can say, well, Jesus loves everybody. Well, He does. But there's a special love that He has for His people. And you know, John in his Gospel related himself to one whom Jesus loved. Now you can look all through the Scripture and you can kind of wonder, well, how many other times did Jesus say that He loved people? Well, we know that that's His nature. He is love. But you don't get it really anywhere else where it just specifically says about certain people that He loved. I think that is quite... Uh, a note to look at and to think about. He loved Martha, and He loved Mary, and He loved Lazarus. There was a special bond that they had. Right? And so that's important right there, a special mention. And we see the posture that Mary has at Jesus' feet. And this expresses humility as she's at His feet. It expresses eagerness to learn. We see where she anoints his speech uh, later on, and then probably another time that that happened. This is no ordinary teacher. This is God in your home speaking. Whatever God spoke, whatever spoke through the person of Jesus, that's the literal word of God coming out of His mouth. Would you not want to hear every word that He said? Mm -hmm. That's what she's doing. She's going to soak this up. I can't miss a word. It's all very important. Do you think that she got the most important thing there is in life? The Word of God. That's what she is after. And so he came to speak the word of truth throughout the villages, the city of Jerusalem, throughout the countryside. He spoke truth. Now, he did do miracles, but he backed up his truth by doing those miracles, but he came here to preach. And there she is listening. The word there has the four letters para, which is alongside, you know, parallel. uh, It's para kephazizomai. Sorry about that. It means she's as close as she could get. She wants to hear everything that he's speaking. She she has an intense interest. She really wants to hear. She wants to live this out. So she's riveted to the most powerful teacher ever, to the most clear and truthful way of presenting the very Word of God ever in the history of mankind with Jesus right there as he spoke. This is right alongside Jesus, sitting at his feet. So let's go to Luke, chapter 6, verse 47. You know what? I think... Here we go. Um... I said, 47, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you who me is like. And then he compares the man building a house, foundation, the rock, when the flood comes, a big torrent, and it couldn't shake the house because it's on the foundation. That's what a person is whenever he is on the foundation of God's Word. And he says in 49, But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation. The torrent burst against it. Immediately it collapsed, and the ruin of that house was great. So it's either or. Either you're on the foundation of Christ and you're rock solid, or you're not on the foundation thinking everything's okay and one day a flood comes and washes the house away. The The ruin is great. It's one or the other. Nothing in between. You have no choice. It's only Christ and Him being the foundation when it comes down to it. And He says the the one who has that is the one who hears it and does what? He acts upon it. He does it. He listens and He does it. Let's look at uh, Luke 11 twenty eight. There was a crowd around him and saying, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast of which you nursed. Jesus said, On the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and what? Observe it, keep it, do it, right? So it's not just hearing, but it is obedience. That is what we're here about today. I am to preach this. I am to believe it. It's to be heard. And all of us are to do it. We're commanded to do it. We have no option. He is Lord. And we're blessed if we do that. Do you guys want to be blessed? Here's how you be blessed. Hear the word, read the word, do it. You're blessed. Has anybody ever done that? When you have, have you noticed that there's a blessing? It really is. There's always a blessing in Christ. Go to first Peter two two. Like newborn babies. Long for the pure milk of the Word. Why? So that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Here he says, he compares us to little bitty babies. When you look at little baby, I mean, it's natural for them to want milk. They, that's what they're, Almost their whole life is about to get that milk and do other little things that go along with that. And they sleep and then they awake and they want more milk. You know, that's the way that we are to be, not only when we first become Christians, but throughout our lives to keep going after the pure milk of the Word. Why? So that we may grow in respect to salvation. That is what a Christian does. He keeps seeking the truth. He wants more. He cannot get enough. Have you had enough of it? Are you tired of it? Is it gotten old? Well, then I say get into the Word of God quickly because it will continue to, to get at a point where it doesn't matter to you anymore. And when that happens, you don't have any blessing. Matter of fact, you can even start to wonder if I'm even a Christian. Staying in the Word and staying full of His Spirit and His Word is so key. Look in Job chapter 23, verse 12. It's automatic stuff. We know this. But boy, do we really need to keep being reminded, don't we? I have not departed from the command of His lips. I have treasured the words of His mouth more than my necessary food. That is saying a lot. What did Jesus say? Live not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This whole chapter here, Job is saying that he longs and hungers and thirsts for God. And the more you get that taste, get that taste on the lips and it gets in the mouth the more that you want of it. And if you go a few days without it, you begin to wonder, what's wrong with me? What's going on? And we've lost our anchor. We've kind of gone out to sea and it's almost like we're just floating along. Oh my, when was the last time that I was in the Word of God reading? When, when, When was I last studying this? What's wrong with me? And you go back to this and you get your moorings back. This is where it's at. Well, we see the devotion there that Mary has in in our Luke 10 passage. And we'll go to verse 40 now. Here we have Mary. She's seated at the Lord's feet listening to His Word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. She came up to Him and said, Lord, Don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Tell her to help me. That's quite marvelous that she would say such a thing. Unbelievable. Do we do that kind of thing? Probably so. We kind of have to inform the Lord sometimes of some things he's forgetting. He doesn't forget. But we sure do verse 40. You know what she's doing? She's fussing around with the food and preparing the meal. Anything wrong with that? No, you got to eat. She wants to make everything right and perfect. The Lord Jesus, God is in her house. Yeah, yeah, you want to do that. But, but, by the way, if she has Jesus and let's say even the disciples, they're probably going to sleep there for the night. So you're going to have to make arrangements. I don't have this kind of room for all these guys. But somehow she's going to have to come up with blankets and that kind of thing, right? Or whatever it takes. She's preparing food. I mean, she's doing all the stuff that needs to be done. But she's distracted. Martha was distracted. you ever been distracted? Of course. What's she distracted from biggest priority in one's life. To listen to the word of the Lord. She doesn't want to forget the meal. Um, The idea of distracted is that she was dragged away, away. That's the literal meaning in the Greek. She was dragged away with her much serving. She's dragged by that. She said, well somebody's got to do it. She was all caught up And she lost touch with what was most important. It'll wait. It'll wait. She had a desire to listen. Is Martha a believer in Jesus Christ? Oh, yeah. Does she love Jesus Christ? Oh, yes. Does Jesus Christ have a special love for her? Oh, yeah. We've already seen that. No doubt. I mean, they have. She has a relationship with Him. But it is. It is good to be hospitable. And so let's not forget that note there. And to do the things that she was doing, we're called to serve. She's hospitable. We look in First Peter chapter four, verse nine and ten. You know, I mean, that's something that we we should do. We are we are to serve. And however, you're gifted to serve. You know, God has given you those gifts. It Says in verse nine, the First Peter four: Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Now that's all of us. we are uh, to to take people in or or to serve people says in verse ten, as each one has received a special gift, employed it in serving one another as good stewards of a manifold grace, grace of God. spiritual gifts are given to us not for ourselves but to serve other people that's what Christians are about to serve to minister to other people. We've been ministered to today as we've worshipped God, haven't we? He has been serving us. He's serving us right now with the Word of God. We're being ministered to. Use your gifts in whatever way it is. It's like do it as you're serving others. Don't forget, it's about serving others. <clears throat> so that's the idea that Peter brings forth in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 10. Talking about a widow here. Having a reputation for good works. That's what a, a widow or course, everybody is supposed to be, if she has brought up children, or if she has shown hospitality to strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has assisted those in distress, if she has devoted herself to every good work. And, but you'll notice there, it's serving others and showing hospitality to strangers, taking people in, and that's part of what a Christian's life is about. Special back then they didn't have the hotels and motels and other things for people in traveling, but uh, of course somebody that uh, you know really know really take in it's a great opportunity to, to serve them that way. Anyway, we see that Martha, she's distracted with all her preparations. She came up to him and said, "Lord, she's distracted, she's agitated, she's frustrated. You ever been agitated, frustrated?" It's her attitude. That's, that's the problem. Once your priorities get messed up, then our attitude goes right along with it too. We also we start to have a bad attitude. She starts losing the joy of Jesus coming to the house, which is what it's about. She loses the joy of the service that she even loves to do. She becomes agitated. She becomes frustrated. She gets mad. There is an air of anger here as she takes it to the Lord. Now, it, you know, I think we can. We've all been there when we've been doing something. We expected somebody else to help us, and they never did. So we just go ahead and do it ourselves. And under our breath, saying, "They're taking every bit of advantage of me. They're doing this just to make me mad. They're, you know, they're lazy over there. You know." Well, she starts doing some things and saying some things that are really outrageous. It's not really the character of Martha here, but it shows a little bit. She says, Jesus, don't you care? Now that's a sad attack on Jesus. Don't you care? Does Jesus care? All the time. Has there ever been a time when Jesus did not care about anything? Oh, I I don't care. No, He cares. She's out of control here. As she comes to her Lord and says, Don't you care? By the way, it's almost like she could have been saying, Don't you know the bread is burning on here? I'm the only one in here, and look at this. We're going to ruin our whole meal. (laughs) Mary is just sitting there doing nothing. Well, that's not true. Was she actually reminding Jesus of how He should take the leadership here? Don't you care? Lord, don't you care that she's not helping me? You need to tell her. Evidently, she's not going to listen to me. Why don't you tell her that? Mary is just sitting there. And it's like, I'm sure Martha's thinking... Woman's work is in the kitchen, and the men are to be out there listening to theology. Right? It's the women; they don't need to get much theology. They're, just, you know, they just—it's not that important. That is not what this text is saying, is it? Men and women are to love theology, systematic theology. What's that? It's a study of God. Theology is just knowing who God is. And so, he's speaking theology. Who knows all the different topics that he could be covering at that time. God is there speaking divine truth. Martha is fussing all around. She's losing sight completely of what this is all about. This is a rare privilege to hear the Lord of the universe speak about the most important things in the universe and about God. And we look in Revelation chapter 2. This is where we want to keep from this ever happening. Revelation 2 is the Ephesus church. Let's pick it up at verse two, Revelation 2, two I know your deeds and your toil, your perseverance, that you cannot tolerate evil men, and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not, and and you found them to be false. They have theology, don't they? And they know false teachers. This is the church at Ephesus. They had had many good pastors there. They were taught the Word of God. Verse 3, And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. And then, But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Then he tells them, Remember where you have fallen and repent. Do the deed you did at first. Or else I'm coming to you and I will move your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Wow, quite a warning to the church at Ephesus, isn't it? What What was their problem? They left their first love. They were doing deeds. They were serving. But what about that? close relationship with the Lord. What happened? They lost their priority. Martha's worried about the bread that feeds the body. Mary was into the bread that feeds the soul. That is more important than bread. And it's very important to have food. We have to have it to eat. But even more important is the Word of God. Now, before we condemn Martha, what is it that can keep us from reading and hearing the Word of God? This is where I understand from those teachers all week about being faithful that we have to get an application into our message. And it has to go right at the heart. This goes at my heart, it should go to your heart. What is it that can keep us from hearing the Word of God? Can we work it into our schedule for the week when we work eight hours or more a day and we're tired? Can we work in the Word of God? Do you notice work it in? That above all is the most important. What kind of lame excuse can we use to maybe occupy us That we would maybe miss on a Sunday morning. What kind of excuse could we use? Now I'm not saying that usually you guys are usually here. Our our biggest excuse lately has been snow and sickness. And it's still working on us. I'm not saying those are lame excuses. I'm not saying you guys have lame excuses. But what I am saying is that can we get torn away from hearing the Word of God? We can very easily. And there can be all sorts of things come up, and they're going to. I mean, we, we live in a real world, and sometimes the demand on us comes, and it is very difficult sometimes to try to get in a few moments with the Lord, even though we're to be praying always. And how do we do that? Even under our breath, under the lips, you know, we're, we're whispering something to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity today, and give me the, your strength and your wisdom. And, you know, just say that and move on. And, and then throughout the day, you might say that again. But sometimes we can just have so many fouled up priorities. And I'm not pointing any fingers at one individual here because it all starts with me. I'm just saying that isn't that the case of us? Have we ever had fouled up, messed up priorities where we just get all out of whack? Are we sometimes like Martha? think we can sure get that way and yes we have been that way and we want to not continue that we you know there are things that we can get preoccupied with we have to do and and you have to do it you know but you know what it does it actually irritates us when we have to do that or frustrate us it can even make us mad you know I, I can't wait have you ever had a point where I can't wait to just sit down and get into God's word? I've been torn away from it for quite a few days here or whatever, maybe even weeks. What we have to do is look at our own life and see how messed up Martha got, who is a true believer in Jesus, and say, I love to read the Word of God. I love to hear the teaching of the Word of God. Anytime I can get a chance, I have some time, I'm going to make time. To get in and listen to that, you know, there's all sorts of ministries on the radio and on the internet, and it's open all day. And you may not have that many opportunities, but you know, whenever you hear it, get the opportunity to think about it, do it. We we allow ourselves to get sucked up, just like Martha did. We or or sucked up into the unnecessary things. He said, "Well, that's necessary. I mean, you have if it's your job, you have to work." And if you, if you don't work, you don't eat, right? We, we know that. Mm-hmm. And just like this, Martha had to serve, but what is first? What's of most importance? Don't ever let that get put second place. You can arrange the time, but make sure that that is there in your life It's the most important. Or, you know what will happen? Greater Frustration. You'll just get frustrated more and it's like, well, I don't know what's going on. What, what? you know, and everybody's a like, man, what is wrong with you? And you start thinking if somebody would say, Have you been in the word lately? Well, no, I haven't. Well, why are you thinking the way that you are thinking? Because I haven't been in the word. That's always I mean, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, that's always the answer whether it be myself or whether it be others that's that's why i always ask and you guys can ask me and you ask each other i think it's a good thing have you been in the word lately what have you been reading lately in the word what where have you been at what what are you reading what are you getting and so i think that's very very uh, important about the priority so i hit on that really hard did it sound pretty hard it's just practical isn't it Putting it into practice. If if we say what we hear the word, then, then we want to do it. Now we get into the last two verses here. 41 and, 42. and of course Martha said, Tell her to help me. Come, you do it. <laughs> but the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things. You're agitated and you're frustrated about so many things. You know. Martha is the one who is worried. I don't know on those outlines. I put one there. I think that was wrong. I think I put Mary was worried and bothered. Is that on the outline? Yep. Sorry about that. <laughs> By the way, Julie, I'm, I forgot. All, everything's been out of so much whack and the snow and everything. I even forgot to send an outline to you this week. And I re- realized that last night about 10 o'clock. <laughs> So that's why we don't have it up there, but you do have it on your bulletin, right? Yeah. Anyway, Martha, Martha. Now, you know what? Jesus could have just condemned her and just blown her away there because Martha is there telling the Lord what to do. And what does He say? Martha, Martha. It's a very gentle, tender way. of It's a rebuke, but it's with sympathy. its It's like a glove hitting her, but it's a soft glove. <laughs> Velvet. Martha, Martha, you're worried. You're unduly concerned is what the literal Greek means there. Uh, you're bothered. it uh, means to be troubled. You're worried. You're troubled. You're agitated. You're all messed up about so many things. But there's only a few things necessary. Matter of fact, there's really only one. You can boil it down to this. A few things. One thing. You know what David said? I just seek your face. I just want to see your beauty. That is what it's all about. Lord, I want to see your beauty. That's what we're trying to do here today. To see the beauty of the Lord. Have you seen it? Have you experienced it? I just want to seek your face. Our lives can become so full of unnecessary things. Sometimes, you know, and, and I don't condemn TV or movies or books or all the media. And of course, today you got all the, the, the Facebook, the social medias and everything. And I'm like telling you, hey, get away from all of those th- things and do that. No. <coughs> of course, then you might be telling me the same thing. But I am saying that sometimes a lot of those things are really unnecessary and there are things that are more important. Those things, TV can control us. And we just sit there, and what do they say on on being a couch potato, you know? And we're not benefiting ourselves. We're not benefiting anybody else. Sometimes there is downtime and you need to relax and take it easy. I use this with balance, and I'm not trying to do any kind of legalism. I'm just saying here's what we need to hear. We can have things that just run our attitudes, they whack it away at our relationships relationships that we have here. Sometimes just send a encouraging word. Uh, this is a thought to myself. Get something out to somebody and just say, Hi, how are you doing? You know, whatever. We get frustrated over stuff that doesn't matter. And when we do things in, in, the, in the church, we usually don't get a, Hey, well done, thanks a lot. I'm glad you do that. This has really been helpful. Although there are people that maybe recognize there being things done, they don't know even who does it. Don't even know who to go to, otherwise they would. But everybody does things in this church that we have no idea what they're doing. But sometimes if you know that they did it, if you see them say, hey, I really appreciate what you have done in serving because it means a lot to me, it means a lot to the church, and whatever God has gifted you with, I'm really thankful for sometimes we feel unappreciated and neglected and left alone to do the work and nobody else is helping It's like what's the use of serving? So we don't want to take serving out of this and say Martha was wrong in what she did. It's just that she lost sight of her priority. Uh, Matter of fact, we can become resentful and don't even want to do the work that God has gifted us to do because nobody cares and actually to be honest with you i think people do care but maybe we just forget to tell somebody that and it is important but even if we don't get a slap on the back it's okay because who knows what we're doing really jesus does god knows but so we don't we never want to turn christian service into something that's no longer joyful because now it dishonors god when you're joyful in it and you're doing what you you have been gifted to do with, with what God has given you, and you're doing... You know what? You get great pleasure out of that. How, how to have a fulfilled life is being able to serve other people. And even if nobody's helping you, even if no one is noticing your efforts, Christian service should never take away your joy. Because really, who are we really trying to please? Man... Or Christ, and if we remember, oh, this is this is all about Christ, isn't it? We're getting near the end here. There's only one thing is necessary. Martha was only concerned that Mary get up off of her chief end and help her. <laughs> What's well, a chief end of man? But she needed to learn that the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. There's a lesson there, isn't there? If you're not enjoying God, did you know that you are not glorifying Him? If you're enjoying God, did you know that is the most, and I think the best way of Him being glorified by you, if you're enjoying Him? God is most glorified when we're most satisfied in Him. To be made like Christ. That's what it's all about. To hear Him speak. That's the only way we'll get to know Him and to be made more like Christ. That's the only way He reveals His beauty. Now turn to Psalm 27, verse 4. Last section that we'll we'll turn to and we'll get ready to wrap it up here. 27, verse 4. <clears throat> one thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek. What is it? What is it? One thing. This is David. What's the one thing that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life? What are we talking about in the house? You mean in church? In a church building? No. Dwelling presence of Christ and he's saying here all the days of my life that's even right now eternal life we will be doing that always we will never sin we'll have a perfect worship all the time we'll always be giving glory to him and rejoicing in that and serving each other in the most perfect way and serving God and he says this is the one thing that I ask that I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord, all the days of my life. That is what our lives are about. Because now it is Him that we live in. And by His Spirit, we're able now to satisfy and glorify Him. That's discipleship. It's being a learner. And that's what Mary had chosen to do. Mary has chosen the good part, the best part. What's that mean? Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's the best part. Nothing is better than hearing the Word of God. Can you think of anything better? Now, granted, there is prayer with God. That's very important. That's all tying together, isn't it? Serving and such. But there's nothing better than hearing the Lord speak. Mary was going to know more about her Lord. Therefore, she was going to see the beauty of the Lord. And when you're in His Word and hearing, you see His beauty. She learns to love Him more. Nothing is more important as divine truth that is the best thing that we have. It's the priority. The essence of discipleship is not our service rendered to Christ, but it's finding our sustenance in Christ. Is it wrong to serve? No. But really, the greatest thing is finding our sustenance is in Christ. It's not being a Martha, but a Mary. Joyful devotion. Dependence upon Christ. Our story here in this text is further evidence of the priorities which characterize our Lord and which should characterize His disciples. One of these priorities is that of being sustained and Strengthened by the Word of God. And my prayer is is that we've been sustained and strengthened by the Word of God as we've heard it and now as we desire to seek Him even more. Let's pray. Father, what a joy it is to look at Your Word, to be able to read it, to ponder on it, to think about it. Help us more, all of us, to be like Mary to sit at Your feet knowing that that is where everything is all about. Let us see Your beauty, Your greatness, Your glory as You speak in Your Word. By the power of Your Spirit, we understand You. We commit to You. Revive our hearts, Lord, where we've been dead spiritually. Pick us up and help us to walk this walk in a way that is worthy and pleasing to you, for all glory is given to you. And the saints say, Amen. Amen. Thank you.